0: Hey everyone, this is Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. That was my first take, folks. I did that. Nailed that, didn't I, Nat?
1: Yep, first try. No flaws, no mistakes. My name's Yen. I read,
0: write, consume, eat, breathe. You know, I'll say it, Nat. I'm feeling raunchy. I shit comics. Nice. Yeah, I
1: do. I do. That's me. And who are you? Do they come out the same way they go in? Panel by panel. (laughs) That's wonderful to know My name is Nat And right now My foot My right foot Is a mere 25 centimetres away From Yen's left knee Which means Folks I'm very excited to announce That Yen and I Are in the same room Yen has travelled across The Atlantic Ocean And is now sitting In Badok Singapore Give him the full address. Give him the postal postal code. Everyone, we are in Badok. Everyone, please email info at undustproductions.com if you would like to visit my studio after a thorough background check. You're welcome to come. But he's here. The man is here in this room. And someone else is in the room. Roshan, our producer. Which, you know, this is a feat. If it wasn't clear already, typically we are all geographically separate. But the spirit of Christmas has brought us together. And today, here we sit. Mere centimeters from each other. Fully capable of a hug
0: So dear listener You may be wondering Why Nat's going on Such a long tangent About why we're in the same room And you know I've got the same questions. I have no idea why he I cares this much. And I don't like that he's made it, you know, a Christian thing that we're here for the spirit of Christmas, which, and also in every other podcast, he complains that I'm dating the date of recording. Now he's telling everyone it is 24th December because that's when we're recording this, folks. We are recording <laughs> this at 11 p.m. on 24th December. We are just about to ring in I don't you even know, understand the birth what the, of baby Jesus. I don't even
1: understand what the point of that lie was because it's not even like that far away. It, it's currently 28th December and we're, we are in one
0: <laughs> badok That's wrong. Sixteenth floor, just knock. I don't know which apartment we in just knock the doors. You'll get to us. We've got a caller on line one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this may not seem like a big deal to you, Yen, but to me, it's it's nice. It's nice that after seven episodes of conversing through a screen, now there's nothing that stands between us.
0: I no, you're right, Nat. You know, I'm underselling. It is true. Yeah, to the listener, this is the first time that Nat and I have met in person. Yeah. We've been talking on chat forums a lot. We actually met on Omegle, and neither of our faces were in view. You get the
1: picture. So this is the season finale of Comic Sans. We're very excited. It could we, be the series finale. It could be. It could be the life finale. It could be. Us. That's what I'm saying. That's actually you, you know, picked we don't up know. exactly what I meant. This could be it. We don't know what happens tomorrow. No, we don't. We don't. Know? don't. We don't. Will this podcast ever make it on air? Will it just be Ferocian's Ears Only?
0: Perhaps. That's a great movie name, Ferocian's Ears Only. What would it be about? It'd be about his freaking Jabras <laughs> that are taking up so much of the oxygen in this damn room. <laughs>
1: that he forgot to charge. That he
0: forgot to charge these damn Jabras. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, <laughs> what we had was Jabba the Hut, And now these kids, they got Jabra's In their butts, (laughs) trying to listen to music through their colons.
1: Anyway, this is the season finale of Comic Sans, and I just want the series
0: finale. (laughs) After that little tirade, I think we're done. We're good. I just want to
1: say what a journey we've been on, Yen. I think for me, especially, maybe you've not not grown at all. Yeah, you've exactly as I left it. If anything, you've gotten a bit meaner. But you know, I think the growth in me is worth noting as we head into this final episode. I've learned a lot, Yen. I must admit, from you a little bit, from the comics, a lot. Damn. Just mind opened. Damn. From the writers, the illustrators, the colorists, the letterers. Look at me knowing all these. Oh, terms. that's
0: pretty good. That's pretty solid. That's a pretty huge change.
1: You know, and, and I think for anyone who has listened to this chronologically, I don't know if that's the case for anyone out there, but if you have, you might have noticed that you know, there's been a couple episodes where you know I've really enjoyed what I've read. I've really enjoyed. For example, to name a few, Sandman was really good. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed Watchmen. I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed. You liked Saga? You liked Hellboy? I like Saga. Oh, Hellboy? Hellboy, I think, was the peak for me. So to top that as a season finale is going to be a tall order for you, Mr. Maliente. I have
0: no such ambitions. I have no such ambitions to top Hellboy.
1: Well, I think we're on a good start because what worked last week so well, I felt, as the receiver of your yant and your knowledge is oh i guess we do have to discuss how this show works oh yeah sure i mean if you made it this far you should know but (laughs) if you you know if you're just jumping in at this point how comic sans works is yen loves comics he talks to me about comics usually through the delivery of a unhinged rant which we like to call an unhinged yant because it's a pun on his name and we're funny like that following which i then read that's funny like that i'm funny in different ways i'm funny in
0: actually funny ways sure
1: distance yourself from it sure i will Okay, following which I then proceed to read a portion of a comic that Yen has picked out for me. Curated. Curated for me, sure. Linked to the Yen. And then we proceed to discuss it. And then see whether I like comics a little bit more. or A percentage point more. We're not tracking the percentage points, if you're wondering. I do. I am tracking. I am tracking it. But as I was saying, I think if the question is, can Yen top last week? I think we're off to a pretty good start because what worked so well last week for me is the fact that you said, in, in your words, you were doing it for yourself. That's true. It was a Selfishly. comic that meant a lot to you. Something that you resonated with and enjoyed on a very personal level. And I felt that that was infectious. And it kind of bled into my experience and my enjoyment of reading it. And to segue to today's episode, I am of the belief that today's comic also has great personal value for you. Would you say you have a personal connection to today's comic, Yen? <laughs> I would. I would. And I'm going to get into that. You're in gonna the save, are you you're ready? You're going to save that good stuff for later? I'm going to save it for the end. You ready, Nat? You know, I think I'm as ready as I'll ever be You want to tell him what we're reading today though? You want to tell him what we're reading? You want me to have the honor of doing it? Yeah, why don't you tell him Today we are reading Scott Pilgrim The full title of which I don't know So let me reach over and grab the book Nope, 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 don't bother There's two That's the the title to that volume Okay, so I don't know Scott Pilgrim versus the world?
0: No That's the movie That's the movie And that's the title to one of the volumes Which we will not be reading today Oh Yes, 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 yes Yes.
1: Please tell me more
0: Yes You know, for maybe seven or eight years, Nat, on my birthday, I would watch Scott Pilgrim versus The World. I'm not big on birthdays, so I wanted something that would lift my mood every year, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, directed by Edgar Wright, released in 2010, was just that thing. I believe you've joined me for at least one of those years.
1: Indeed, that is correct.
0: You know, but I wasn't alone in loving this movie. Not in terms of the box office, with the movie flopping hugely at cinemas, one of the two biggest flops of 2010, but its longevity, which, like many others, led me to reading the comic it was based on. This is one of those rare works we're going to talk about, Nat, which I went into knowing the adaptation first. And you do, too. Yep. What do you remember from the movie, Nat?
1: Michael Sarah. Okay. Um, cool comic book effects things you know okay during the fight scenes okay cool fight scenes okay do you remember the plot at all vaguely
0: yeah you know i wrote down bet on that knowing nothing i don't know why i make these bets with myself every single time i ask you a question i write down a bet on what i think you know or don't and every time i'm right how much have you won on these bets about six thousand dollars just going from my left pocket to my right <laughs> so the broad strokes of the movie and the comic plot are pretty similar. We've got Scott Pilgrim, a 24-year-old unemployed guy leeching off of his gay roommate. He's peddling nowhere, living in Toronto, and in Volume 1, and at the start of the movie, he is dating a high schooler. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> Everything goes topsy-turvy when he meets Ramona Flowers. But to get Ramona, he has to fight and defeat seven evil exes. That's Scott Pilgrim's story. But what was a two-hour film that we've both seen was almost a 1,000-page saga, printed and published over six years in six volumes from 2004 to 2010. What's special about Scott Pilgrim, Matt? Your guess is probably much
1: better than mine. You are
0: so right on that. Okay, so Scott Pilgrim is written and drawn by cartoonist Brian Lee O'Malley, who has described Scott Pilgrim as sort of coincidentally coming out at just the right time. And I think that's something that's really critical to understanding Scott Pilgrim's long-lasting appeal and its success. It's its timing, its time, it's a product of its time, and it's a time capsule. It's not just, oh, a case of this was cool in 2004 and now it's no longer as good. It's something that is exciting because of what it was and what Brian Lee O'Malley was pulling from. So there's a couple major influences that make up this time capsule. The first up we have is it's Japanese influences that go from the story's plot to its very presentation. Because if you look at the volume, look at the volume, does it physically look like the other volumes we've been reading? Can you describe the volume to the listener?
1: Well, now that you've mentioned the Japanese influence, it looks to me like a manga. In terms of the size and the thickness. That is exactly right. Scott Pilgrim... Was released
0: in six volumes that were in the exact same dimensions and paper quality as tankobans, which is how mangas are released. Which is, I want to say, a five-ish. A five-ish. Yeah, size, but a bit smaller than a A5- five-ish. A bit A5-ish, smallish. Yeah. The paper quality is pretty rough, and there's no color. That's how mangas are released as serialized volumes. And maybe we'll talk about manga in season two. Nan. Oh boy. Oh boy little teaser for you folks. It is not the series end after all. If it's not our life finale, we may get to (laughs) a manga. So that paper texture and size clues you in to a bit of what you're going to get into with its story and style. O'Malley is using elements of manga like big heads, eyes, expressiveness, the kind of thing you wouldn't normally get in our other comics we've read that are trying to adhere to realism. And also the page structure is very similar too. Like how he's using the gutters, breaking up motion. You're going to see that when you open those pages. But it's not just the style, it's the story too. With O'Malley saying he wanted to make something like a shonen, which are typically about a boy growing, fighting, winning, changing. A plucky young boy. Exactly. That's Scott Pilgrim. That's the central premise. Seven evil exes, each with their own powers and abilities. But it's not just a straight transplant of shonen tropes. Rama One Half was one influence growing up for Brian Lee O'Malley, and the other was Jeff Smith's Bone, another comic we may discuss in a future episode. And that's because it's all O'Malley could find in Toronto. This was before comics were everywhere, where everything existed online, where access was a question of not what comic do I want, but instead what comic can I find. And that hybrid blend of styles is what makes Scott Pilgrim so visually distinct. And the same thing goes for its use of nerd culture with video games. You know, where you're playing what your cousins have, not what's on the e-store. For O'Malley, that was... River City Girls, a beat-em-up that became the model for the video game that Scott Pilgrim was eventually based on, as well as Street Fighter. That's all in Scott Pilgrim's DNA. Video games as vocabulary. Now that's so commonplace, right? There's Pixels, Ready Player One, Free Guy, can you think of any? Arcane. Arcane? Yeah. Right? Video games are part of our lexicon now. Wreck-It Ralph 2, there's... Mm -hmm. one. Wreck-It
1: Ralph 2. Oh, Wreck-It Ralph 2 and Wreck-It Ralph 2 too. Oh... We're so funny. we comics.
0: <laughs> but back in 2004, the majority of video game vocabulary in the mainstream was bad adaptations that didn't seem to quite get the source material. There's Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter movies, Mario movies. I want to say we also had the Resident Evil movies at that time. Maybe the first one.
1: Was Sonic a game first?
0: Was Sonic a game first? What do you think it was before that? You thought, what? What uh, do
1: you think it was at first? I don't know. Clearly, oh, yeah, it was a game. Mega. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, What did you just say? Mega, right? Mega what? Isn't the name of the company Sega? Sega. He's <laughs> not making it in. I hate that you're
0: editing these and you <laughs> get to decide what doesn't go in. Now, back then, video games were not mainstream as symbols. But the reason they made it into Scott Pilgrim is because Mally knew there would be fights by design because it's a shonen. But. In his previous graphic novel, Lost at Sea, he didn't draw any fights. He didn't really know how to draw fights, so he borrowed from the one place he knew. Street Fighter. It wasn't a question of what was hot, what was in. It was about what he wanted slash could do. And that takes us to the last bit of this little time capsule, Scott Pilgrim, which is O'Malley himself, who, in 2004, was living in Toronto, living with a gay roommate. Ooh. Hopefully, as far as we know, no, he wasn't. He wasn't dating a high schooler. Okay, thank goodness. And that's a personal part of it, right? The growth and change of it, or at least an imagined version of it. Because as I'm already saying, O'Malley is not Scott Pilgrim, let's be clear. But there's an emotional aspect to his journey that rings true. O'Malley's prior graphic novel, which I already mentioned, Lost at Sea, was a much heavier, emotionally intimate book that he showed to his friends, and they were all perturbed. <laughs> it didn't ring like how they knew him. And so it's Scott Pilgrim... He wanted to make a comic for them about him that was funny, lively, silly, and still true. About the place they were all at in their 20s, stumbling through Toronto, trying to figure out who they were. That's a huge part of the appeal of the comic to me, and why I keep returning to it and the movie, because it's about being lost, but in a light way. And that's something I think the movie does better than any other adaptation of other comics. It doesn't try to replicate the panels like Zack Snyder's Watchmen did. It tries to just get to the spirit of it. Mm. So what we're reading today, Nat, are two very different sections of this story. We're reading Chapter 5 from Volume 1, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life, and Chapters 32 to 34, the first three chapters from Volume 6, Scott Pilgrim's Finest Hour, the sixth and final volume. Chapter 5 is almost directly adapted into the film, so I think you're going to recognize some of it. But Volume 6 was released after the movie.
1: Ooh. Yes. Interesting.
0: Because during the film's development, O'Malley had only finished scripting Volume 4. And bits of Volume 4 got merged with the movie, along with O'Malley's plans for the ending in Volume 6. Some of that made it into the movie, but the rest of it of Volume 6 is going to be totally new to you. And because we're reading from Volume 1 and Volume 6, you're going to notice O'Malley's style evolve. This is six years of growth from him as an artist refining his craft, but also fully settling into what he likes, what he loves to draw. There's change across the books, but the spirit of it remains the same. I don't watch Scott Pilgrim on my birthday anymore. I've grown like O'Malley has. My tastes have evolved and I've changed. But my love for that movie and for this comic, that stayed. The spirit remains the same.
1: Wonderful. Thank you, Yen.
0: And so just to reiterate to the listener, we are reading chapter five from volume one. And we are reading chapters 32 to 34 from volume 6. We do hope you can get a hold of it and you can read along with that. It's important to note, I do want to point this out, is that O'Malley was replicating the style of the Tanko Bands, which are usually combined versions of chapters that were released in the serialized magazines Shonen Jump. But in this case, he did release it as six discrete volumes. And so the chapters were not things that were coming out one at a time. Mm, right, it, The volumes were coming out one at a time. Okay, And the chapters are just neat little breaks for him. They're not evenly paged. They're not something that somebody was reading weekly. He's just emulating that style.
1: Chapter 5. Everything's starting to get complicated. Hey, ooh, big kiss. Smoochy smooch. Is she the high schooler? Yes. Yes. They got a girl drummer. She's eight years old? Oh my. I hear they discovered her at the Pacific Mall Arcade thing. I really remember nothing in the movie. Oh, what are these uh character labels, huh? Knives Chow. Seventeen years old. Status totally crazy. And she kisses him again. Everyone, this is Ramona V flowers. Age unknown. Status. Scott is an idiot. Very aggressive staring Lots of motion lines Stare, stare, stare Stare Oh, all stare Oh, staring at me Oh, they're all staring at Scott Not me Good evening I am Crash And these are the boys Is that girl a boy too? (laughs) Someone shouts from the stands Yes Little 8-year-old drummer Flips them off That's wonderful This song is called Last song kills audience And it'll be our last song tonight (laughs) Good luck, eh? Thanks, Joe. Good luck. That's my eight-year-old voice. Good luck. <laughs> we are sex... <laughs> we are sex... Ba-b-ba-bum. One, two, three, four. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> I hear poison. poison. poison reaching my
1: threshold Oh
0: yeah
1: <laughs> Mr. Pilgrim It is I Matthew Patel Consider our fight we gone They're fighting Watch out It's that one guy Okay thank you Wallace Very helpful He's going for the air juggle Oh my gosh 64 hits it's a New personal best Scott Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. Did not you get my email and letter explaining the situation?
0: my threshold.
1: My threshold.
0: <laughs> do, 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 this is do, another one of their songs? Do, do, do. No, this is the same
1: song. <laughs> oh, it's the same song. Oh, it's continuing? Thank you. So when did you date Ramona? I love how they're just having a conversation while they're fighting. I guess it happens in a movie too. I don't believe you see. Oh, I love this. You got any embarrassing stories? Your mom is an embarrassing story. I hear
0: poison. poison.
1: Oh dear. Kissy kissy? That's some very unsexy kissing. Why well, are his eyes wide open? Mr. Patel. Hi, were they op- Gave you all I had and you tossed it in the trash.
0: You tossed it in the trash. You did.
1: And he punched him. KO. Knockout. Maybe you'll see. <laughs> oh, this is so fun. Boom. What? What is this? Coins? Oh yeah, the coins. I remember the coins. Sweet coins. Two dollars and ten cents. Oh, this Scott guy. huh? He's kissing girls. Any, anyhow, any, any, any hole Anyhow, any, ho. any, how, any ho. I guess you have to fight my seven evil ex-boyfriends. Um, if you want to like date me, you dated seven evil dudes. <laughs> Not all at once. Yeah, that makes it so much better. Thank you, Ramona. Nice, finished it. And now we're reading, what am I reading from this one? Scott Pilgrim, in his finest hour. <laughs> Please sleep with someone, Scott. You're getting very boring. Wallace, on guy. Oh, poor Scott, all alone looking at the night sky. Looking up and what comes down? Oh girl with wings <laughs> With a sword And she's gonna stab Oh she stabs him right through the- <laughs> And it's all nightmare Of course it is Knives when did you turn 18 <laughs> My thoughts exactly Scott But also like She goes around with a sign that says 18 years old Sketchy ass 24 year old po- <laughs> I love that label pointing at Scott Do you want to have sex I think we should have sex Casual sex memory cam love it scotty you're so hot and sexy oh hey thanks smooch they kiss again they kiss again oh oh dear the lips part and why is there a connecting piece of saliva but it was horrible big text for everyone and that includes you me me yes me it was horrible for everyone involved thank you who's the writer thank you brian lee o'malley From thinking about me (laughs) Hey, chapter 33 She says what she means Some random guy at a party Thank you for the label Says to Scott What's up? Scott doesn't know what he's doing at this party How did you end up here? Envy Adams was at the party Apparently she looks amazing According to Monique Oh, and now we see Envy Adams a whole spread The perfect woman Bust Nine 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 waist, nine, nine 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 hips, nine nine nine. I'll have what I
0: have. I'll have what I'm having fuck.
1: <laughs> I'll have. I'll have what I have. <laughs> she walks into the party. All eyes are on her. And here, saunters up Scott Pilgrim. Envy Adams partying with mere mortals. Oh, she whips around. Why don't you go back to? Montreal, (laughs) this guy say? Oh, I love it. Break the fourth wall for O'Malley to tell us. We'll spare you the embarrassment of witnessing the rest of this awful spectacle. Turn the page. I'm scared. That's a page turner if I've ever seen one. A literal instruction to turn the page. Oh, it's nothing. (laughs) He really does skip past the whole incident, so he just moves on. Envy calls him? You can buy me a coffee? Ooh, and now they're in a coffee shop. How's Ramona doing? Ha ha ha. You make me out to be some kind of villainous, says Envy. We were practically kids when we dated, Scott, and it's not like you were some paragon of virtue. And Scott with his anime eyes. I was such a paragon! I was such a paragon! So do you think we're gonna get back together? Huh, what, me and you? Or maybe just have casual sex? What is with Scott's obsession with casual sex? Oh, Scott's like me. He doesn't remember anything. (laughs) Scott says, well, I remember you breaking my heart. The feeling is somewhat mutual. (gasps) And then Scott ran away to hide forever. Oh dear. Now he's at Kim's parents' house. That's nice. Getting away from everything. A wilderness sabbatical. I don't think I'm ready to be a grown-up. You and me, Scott. You and me. I don't think you are either, buddy. Thanks, Kim. But hey, you'll get it. Just takes practice. Oh! And he kisses her too! Kissy guy! Kissing everyone. Oh, oh. Her eyes open wide. But then she closes her eyes. And she kisses him back! Pushing him away. What? We can't. (gasps) Things were always so complicated with Ramona. You're so, like, uncomplicated. You've been the one constant in my life, doesn't it make sense? It does, Scott, it makes sense. It makes sense, my guy. Aw, he broke her heart in high school. And what? It's the nigger Scott? Is he fighting himself? I just need to kill him so I can forget her and move on. And Kim screams, But if you keep forgetting your mistakes, you'll just keep making them again! So true! So much wisdom! It's better than having to live with myself. Oh, poor Scotty. He's about to get punched by himself, or oh, the version of himself, and then he flashes to a memory of Ramona in a bra. His eyes open wide. there's just more memories of Ramona. Looking, drinking coffee, smiling, laughing, Left profile. Right profile. Hair over her eyes. Ramona. <gasps> what just happened? Did the, did the bad Scott go into Scott? Did they fuse and become one? I remember everything. I wish that was me. I wish I remembered everything now. Fight for her. Earn her back. And then she gives him a little smick on the lips. Nice. He's standing on top of a bus. Scott Pilgrim is coming home. And this time... It's personal. Welcome
0: back, Nathaniel.
1: Well, I never left since we were all in the same room. Oh,
0: as you like to keep talking about. Really, I don't
1: You get know? It. I just gotta say, I don't like reading in front of you as you watch me. I like it better when it's on Zoom and then I can just take off my headphones and not listen to you judge my reading abilities.
0: I've gotta say, I feel like me being in the room while he's reading this has severely affected the reading experience. For me or for you? For everyone involved. I think it was worse for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) For the audience. For you, for me, for Brian Lee O'Malley, well, thank for fictional good- <laughs> Scott Pilgrim.
1: Well, thank goodness you're going back to the US soon, huh? Uh, I'm gonna book, <laughs> I'm gonna change my flight, dude. I'm gonna fly early. Good riddance.
0: I'm gonna go straight <laughs> to the airport from here. Shall we talk about the book? Let's the- talk about it, Nat. Based off of your read, it seemed like you were extremely confused. <laughs> I was. You know what, folks? That was my fault because I forgot that Nat's literacy is extremely poor and his memory retention is even <laughs> worse. So I assumed knowing that he had watched the movie that he would remember just the barest inklings such as the name Scott Pilgrim. But <laughs> it seems like that was too much for everyone. That was too difficult.
1: If I might draw from a plot device used in this book, my memory cam's memory card, 256 megabytes very small and the memory of this movie has since been replaced by more important memories like my wedding okay show off what what is that what the hell is that uh, producer here i just want to pop in and say that you know what happened to the last few wife guys on the internet? Oh, let's oh, get them! No. Let's get them! Let's oh, get them! No. Oh, oh, man, no. I can't
0: wait for Comic Sans when it's just comic and it's How me just talking you. to you. And Sans
1: is gone. And then SNL just does you on a couch. I don't get the reference. <laughs> never mind. You know, Do you folks, get the reference? I've never, SNL did a Try Guys bit. It, they, it would be me and Yan sitting on this very small couch you've <laughs> trapped us on. <laughs> Yan's looking upset. I'm saying, oh, well, you know, it's a shame about Nat. The next few episodes will be me redubbing all your lines. Pretending I don't know as much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm mad. mad.
0: You know, folks, you know, I don't know anything about the Try Guys. I've never watched them. (laughs) I'm never going to try them because that's their job. Nobody's paying me to try (laughs) them. I'm never going to
1: try them.
0: I'm never going to try (laughs) the Try Guys. That's what they're paid to do. You know, I don't go to the
1: fireman and light him on fire. (laughs) Yeah, so my memory is not the greatest. And I surprised myself by how little I remember from the movie because I was very confused reading this. Thankfully, Yen was in the room to clarify many things for me, which you you wouldn't have heard because we edited it out. But, you know, I think I caught up to speed vaguely and and I understood about 80% of what I just read. You know,
0: folks, you're not in the room with us. This is an audio medium, so you can't see... The look I made into the sunset As Nat was saying that Trying to imagine myself Riding off One last time To escape him <laughs> Okay Nat Let's talk about it Let's talk about it
1: It was okay <laughs> <laughs> Well thanks folks That's that then That's a wrap on <laughs> <Sunday>. <laughs> and, and that's it for us And that's our season no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. finale I'm kidding It was a fun read as expected I think going into I mean even if you're looking at The, the cover art like the style of art, which is my first encounter with it because it's obviously, it's very different from the movie, which is real life people. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap folks on <laughs> comics hands. <laughs> there is a Japanese influence that I see in terms of, I mean, I'm not super familiar with mangas in general, but I can see in terms of like the facial expressions and the use of the very big action words, or onomatopoeias, you know, yeah. like during the scenes or like any sound effects that feels very manga-ish to me it all contributed to a very fun read. Very different kind of fun from like Hellboy, I feel.
0: So yeah, that's actually... So not relating to Hellboy, but in terms of like the fight sequences on Volume 1... Oh, sorry, folks. Let me tell you what happens, okay? Let me tell you what Nat was reading. So in Chapter 5 of Volume 1, this is what Brian Lee O'Malley describes as so... Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life, Volume 1, is 160 pages. And his plan was that in the last 20 pages, he's going to pull the rug out from underneath the audience who think that they're reading this little slice of life story about this teenager, not this teenager, this grown man, struggling. 20-something. 20-something. Yeah, but very much emotionally adolescent. Yeah. Trying to struggle and figure out who he is. He's got a crush on this girl, but he's also dating a teenager. And then in the last 20 pages, suddenly... Superpowers and fights and all this stuff comes in, and the book takes a huge tonal shift. So that's the end of Volume One, which is what Nat read. Volume Six, chapters thirty-two to thirty-four, is basically the lowest Scott can get in his own journey. That's the plotting that Brian Lee O'Malley was trying to do: was that we see Scott get as far away from his goal, as far away from Ramona. He's beaten six evil exes, but it means very little because Ramona has left him, and he's stumbling in the dark again, as usual, trying to find purpose. And he ends up displacing that onto many women around him, trying to make out, slash kiss them, slash... Have um, casual sex. Have casual sex. Basically forget who he is, completely, and just truck on forward as he's used to doing. Which ends in a climactic scene when he has to confront his alter self, Negger Scott, the inverse of him. And by absorbing him, he sort of accepts his past and his mistakes because he's been compiling all his errors into a false version of himself. You know, folks, you've heard me describe that to you. I'm looking at Nat's face right now, and I think that you know more about Scott Pilgrim than Nat does, and he read all of those pages.
1: (laughs) No, I understood everything that you just said, and I already had that information.
0: (laughs) Yeah, nobody believes that for even half a second. So one of the things that I was hoping you would pick up on, but I don't think you did at all. is You don't know that.
1: No, I think I
0: do. (laughs) Is O'Malley's style evolving through the books?
1: Right. Okay. No, I didn't. Yeah. Please. uh, And so that's part
0: of the reason I actually chose these two volumes, is because the big fight at the end of volume one was basically O'Malley's first time drawing a fight sequence when he's fighting the first evil ex-boyfriend who's a bit of a magician character Mm -hmm. and this is the one where he's matthew patel matthew patel and this is the one where he specifically just had to pull from street fighter because he didn't know what else to do right and you'll notice that most of those panels in that fight are 2d and they're very expressive and they're very exciting but they are fighting in a profile there's not much depth to those panels because he was working with what he knew which was the vocabulary of street fighter which is two characters standing side by side But when you get to Volume 6 You know, this is 6 years later This is 2010, 2009-ish The fight with Negus Scott Is very, very different Right, it's pretty Um, epic It's pretty epic, it's moving in 3 dimensions Scott is leaping all over the place The motion lines are very, very Dynamic? Yeah, they're very dynamic He's playing with silhouettes He's playing with sound effects The sound effects alter the shape of the page There's a lot of things going on in that fight that are very different from what he's learning at the start. Because at the start, he's still emulating, I think. And this is what I'm gathering from some of the things I've heard him say, is that he was still sort of using the vocabulary, but hadn't figured out how to really weaponize it. And by the time we get to Volume 6, he's completely owning it. He's taking it to its own extremes. He's
1: doing it as he likes. The paneling is really interesting it's really creative tell us about the panels tell us about the panels yeah I mean like you know we've talked a bit about certain comics that which is the one that has the six panel page nine nine, panel page nine panel page Watchmen Watchmen right so very formulaic a very rigid structure and we've seen other comics that collapse panels or have full page spreads or two page spreads but this one I think what's really creative is most of the time the panel lines are diagonal yeah right so a lot of diagonal lines very rarely do I see like straight 90 degree Yes. Panels. Is that from manga? It's very manga. Yeah. It's
0: very manga. Manga very rarely uses straight lines, especially when they're trying to create a sense of dynamism, which is what's happening a lot in Scott Pilgrim. It creates this momentum to send us like throttling forward. Yeah. Sometimes you see it in the scenes which are a little slower, like conversational scenes, and we're just supposed to be sitting a bit more in the moment. Mm. But the sharp lines, the diagonal lines are meant to guide the eye further, right? Speed up the reading process
1: almost. Yeah. And there are even moments where like in this page, on page 60 of volume six, which is in chapter 34, right? You have just like a character that's completely outside the panels. Yeah. Just taking up, and this is Kim, right? Taking up the entirety of the left side of the page, just a character outside the panels entirely.
0: And more than that also, and this is something I didn't talk about in the Yent, was that actually, and I don't, you know, I want to take another bet that you didn't notice this. Sure. That Brian Lee O'Malley paid a lot of attention to fashion. Hmm. So characters are rarely dressed in the same outfit, which is pretty unusual. We're used to a bit more of a Dexter's Lab kind of scenario where the right. character's wearing the same thing in every single scene. Or like Ash Ketchum. Or Ash Ketchum. But right, in this scene, we're bringing attention to the fact that Kim is wearing something totally different. Mm. And so we've moved through time and space. This is not the Kim that we knew from before. Yeah. She's in a different setting. And it's the same thing when Envy enters the scene, right? Where Envy's wearing this very like sleek... I don't want you to describe it. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at your face and I don't I don't want you to describe it. I think that's one of the main things about comics. Voluptuous? is I, oh, Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. That's yeah. about as far as you can go. Yeah. That's enough from you over there. Yeah, and so there's a lot of like fashion things going on. I think you may not notice this with Knives, but I think it's particularly important for Knives. She
1: reappeared as the 18-year-old, right? Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. And Knives' journey is kind of one of the things that I really like a lot more about the comic than the movie, because the movie just simply didn't have enough time to get into it. Mm. whereas Knives comes into her own a lot more in the comic, She's less of a prop for Scott's growth. Right. And part of that is what she wears. At the start, she has her own sense of style, which is partly her high school uniform. Let's really not dwell on that too much, because it's pretty gross that Scott picks her up from high school.
1: And doesn't realize she's
0: a high schooler? He knows, he knows, but he doesn't recognize that there's a problem. Because that's another thing that I like about the comic that I think the movie can't get into as much, is that Scott is a very problematic character. Yeah. And that's part of why I picked chapters 32 to 34 because that's when Scott really is at his lowest and has to confront who he is, something Mm. that doesn't actually happen in the movie so much. Mm. Well, Nye starts out in her own outfit and then by the time you encountered her in chapter 5, she started dressing like Ramona because she's noticed Scott's attention towards Ramona. Right. And she gets a haircut as well and dyes her hair eventually not yet and then by the time you see her again in chapter 32 i think or 33 she's very much her own person yeah and she has her own sense of place in the world something that scott is still lacking at this point in the story and a note about fashion is also relevant to envy who you don't see later you know i was debating whether to give you more envy chapters because envy is also very different from the movie but i'm glad i didn't because you do you remember that Envy was in the movie? Nope. Well, there it
1: is, folks. There it is. He doesn't remember Brie Larson's star turn in Scott Pilgrim versus The World. A running theme in this podcast is that Yen doesn't think I've watched something and then I have. And then Yen thinks I've watched something and I have, but I don't remember.
0: Uh, so a better way to describe that is that's a bloody idiot <laughs> and I have to deal with it all the time. That's the theme. That's what he actually means the to is, say. The
1: theme is... People are unpredictable And people are complex That's and not the theme of this podcast That's not what we're I We're here to talk about comic I books I can't possibly remember Every life experience That I've gone through You
0: could remember three Maybe Okay, so we've got your wedding One <laughs> What's two more? Uh, when I adopted
1: my first dog Oh <laughs> And what? And when Argentina won the World Cup Are those the three right now? No Because as like I said, Yen yeah, People are unpredictable The third memory We're trying to talk about the third memory so anyway, back to Envy Adams Yep, and the movie. Envy's
0: another character that gets a lot more space in the comics to grow. Actually, everyone grows a lot more in the comics. But, you know, I, I don't mean, know why I brought that
1: understandable up. Understandable given how short a movie is and how many pages are in these comics.
0: True, true. And I, I think, you know, you know, I feel like we should address this. Is that Scott Pilgrim, the movie, also has developed a bit of a bad rap as like a red flag as someone's favorite movie oh really? because is that why you stopped watching it on your birthday? not really no it it just has this bit of a connotation that it's kind of like a 500 days of summer thing yeah Right, where if it's your favorite movie of all time, you're either empathizing, you're really really getting it, you're really identifying with it, possibly without understanding it. Right. Because the point of both of those things is that the guy's a jerk.
1: Like you think that they're romanticizing or glamorizing that male character. And if you look
0: at chapters 32 to 34, it is impossible to see Scott as an actually good hero. In the comics, in the comics, but that doesn't necessarily that come, does not yeah. necessarily come into the movies. But in the comics, it's very explicitly addressed, especially with his confrontation with Negus Scott. And a can zombie. you remind me,
1: is Nega Scott featured in the movie?
0: Yes, but it's used as a funny bit where Michael, Sarah, and him face off, and they're like, "Oh, it's time!" And then they walk out, and they're talking about how much they have in common. Oh, <laughs> and they that's agree, Very different. And they that's agree to get they different. agree to get coffee or pizza or something the next day, and it's a really really funny bit that captures sort of the humor of the comics and I guess but it's totally different
1: the final outcome is similar in the sense that they make peace with each other right and they kind of a little bit yeah, come yeah, into yeah. one yeah. in that sense but yeah. it's very different here where it's a physical it's embodying a yeah. where the Negger Scott goes into him he takes him in and there's a corporeal coming together yeah so I
0: don't know about you Net, but I when I was rereading it I found this really funny it's like jokes plenty, and some of those jokes are pretty unexpected including direct addresses to the reader
1: Oh, yeah, there are lots of those.
0: One of the jokes, one of the recurring jokes that I find pretty funny is the characters being labeled, Mm. sometimes giving their stats. So Nat was reading it, NV stats, and it's their measurements, and they're all 999, which is also not really how measurements work, but that's the joke. And, And also there, there's young Neil, and his label is not really very young. One is Kumo guy at a party, and in another volume, not in this volume, Como, como. como I don't know how to say it. Komo's label is, Como knows everyone, including you. And that haunted me for like the next six pages.
1: <laughs> the Kamo knows you? Yeah.
0: And there's that similar bit, right, where Knives and Scott make out and it's just this awful saliva trail kiss. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it goes, but it was horrible for everyone. And four including is above Scott you. and everyone's above Knives. And then at the bottom of the page in small text, it goes, and that includes you yeah
1: yeah it was pretty horrible the humor is definitely there and from what I recall from the movie that humor does also carry on in the movie but in a, obviously in a slightly different form I don't think they break the fourth wall as much in the movie do they?
0: um there's little things like the video game yeah things so like a lot of gags that come from volumes that aren't even actually in the movie are there so like one of them is michael Sarah going to pee and then there's like a urine bar and it goes down as he's peeing Mm. some jokes from the movie are direct word for word from the comic which is pretty rare because normally that sort of stuff doesn't translate
1: yeah there's some pretty like clever quips that I enjoyed. I can't remember the... Can you pass me the other one?
0: One of the famous ones that also Nat didn't read is Scott saying he could eat garlic bread forever and Ramona saying, you can't, bread makes you fat. And Scott says, bread makes you fat? (laughs) And
1: that's the whole bit. I think the one I'm recalling is in Kim's house. Wait, let me find it. Okay, well, as I was looking for some of these comical moments, I stumbled upon this very not comical moment, but I think I want to talk about it, which is this section where... Scott goes to Kim's house yeah, and they have this really deep and meaningful conversation in the woods, right? Where Scott is talking about how he doesn't think he's ready to be a grown-up and this is where he kind of... Oh yeah, I really love that part. He really comes to terms with who he is and what you were talking about and so this isn't in the movie, right? No. Where we had this really heart-to-heart conversation about how we all don't really know what we're doing. Yeah. And, you know, obviously them being in the wilderness, you know, this whole section is supposed to be his sabbatical in the wilderness or whatever, right? I thought that was a nice break from... But then, you know, he goes and kisses her. And then I'm like, ah, this guy, he still hasn't learned, you no. know, in some ways. Yeah. yeah,
0: he's still learning. He's still growing. But I really... Yeah, that's one of my favorite bits. It's one of the most sincere moments in the book, which is usually quite facetious. It's like it often feels like O'Malley is riffing.
1: And it you know was interesting on that two-page spread where they had that conversation. All straight lines. All straight lines. All straight lines. All no, straight lines. no diagonal panels at all. It's straight. It's very, very standard, conventional paneling. Yep. Nothing that kind of distracts you from the content of their conversation. And, and then the very... next page is just like a full page spread of the kiss because you break out of that straight away. Right? And we've got the electric
0: shocks in the background. Yeah. We've got the motion lines. Yeah, it, that straight lines give you that sense of peace, right, mm. of stability, right before Scott ruptures it by kissing her and everything goes diagonal again.
1: Yeah. Literally and figuratively. But can I give you an honest opinion? I, I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but just in something that I just... Yeah, let's feel. hear it.
0: Let's hear it. Whatever. Let's
1: hear it. I'm realizing now, having read you know s- several different types of comics and several different styles of comics, I really resonate with color. Okay,
0: okay, okay.
1: Yeah, and I feel like the comics that I've really enjoyed the most, like Hellboy, yeah. Watchmen, right. the color really did things for me. Right. right? Because not only just having color, but... That as an additional tool right. that the colorist or the illustrator, if if they're not the same person, can play with, yeah. right? Yeah, to connote a certain emotion or to suggest a certain mood. I felt like that's missing from this, and I don't know. Maybe it's just me being very superficial, but I feel like where the color is not there, it almost feels like incomplete to me. So, if, if
0: in that, if that makes sense, no, that makes sense, and I'm glad you brought that up. That's an interesting point because part of the reason it's black and white is. Brian Lee O'Malley emulating the manga form, which is black and white. Yeah. In one of the volumes, actually, I think it's pretty funny that the opening pages have color, because sometimes that would happen in manga chapters is the first two pages are in color. And so he does that for one of the volumes, but largely it's black and white. And and part of that, and this I think,
1: is the f- only black and white comic we've read, if I'm not wrong, right? This is right? the only the black and white season? comic we've read yeah. so
0: far this entire season. And there's a simplicity of it. Like he wanted to finish it too. That's one part of it. I think it's also a style choice. It makes things neater. It makes things cleaner. That said, there is also a colored version of Scott Pilgrim. Oh. All six volumes, colored by Nathan Fairbane, who is a very illustrious and great colorist who we may see in other books. I did consider whether we should read the colored yeah. one, but I thought it'd be interesting to return to this one in black and white because I think a running theme of this season has been comics that are driven by one person. And even though there may be a team behind them, right? There's comics that are made and the decisions are made by one person, mm. right? And not to say that the colored version is like less pure or uh, wrong. It's just different.
1: I mean, it exists for a reason. It exists for an audience, right? And yeah, perha- perhaps I audience. am that audience. yeah, Because yeah. I am very curious to see how my experience reading it would be different if it was colored. Yeah, Right. I mean, yeah,
0: I'm just thinking about Rachel Smythe on Laura Olympus, Mike Mignola on Hellboy, and now Brian Lee O'Malley on Scott Pilgrim. Right, all these books that are driven primarily by one person. One creator. One creator. And all of those now <laughs> having immense success in terms of adaptations and things that are going to... Having had that for Hellboy and Scott Pilgrim and Rachel Smythe's Laura Olympus is going to have that. And it's, it's a really exciting thing. And I think something I want to bring up. Some, another theme for me in doing the research for this podcast is what determines success. Because, you know, you and I are both creatives. And we're both thinking about what are we going to do with our careers? How are we going to find the success we're searching for? Whether that be financial or creative, whatever. And in so many of these cases, I mean, think about Mike Mignola on Hellboy... Right. Naming a character that he's doing these sketches, and calling it Hellboy and thinking it's funny. Yeah. And not even realizing that he stumbled onto what's going to be the biggest thing of his career to gold. Right. Same thing with Laura Olympus, Rachel Smythe opening up the Webtoons app and seeing she has seven comments and being like, oh, my gosh, that's so exciting. Seven people have read my comic. Mm-hmm. Now we've got a billion views on it.
1: Was that the case of this as well?
0: Yes, yes. So I'm trying to think if any of the other things we read have a similar story. Sandman, to some extent, had a similar story where nobody really knew whether Neil Gaiman had what it took until death first appeared in the book. And that's when it's like, okay, now he gets comics. And so there's this kind of growing in public thing that's happening. And it's very, very prominent in Scott Pilgrim where the first volume, the pre-orders were under 1,000. And Brian Lee O'Malley thought, okay, well, that's it. I guess, you know, that's the career I'm going to have. Um, that's fine. This is just a little story for me and my friends. Mm-hmm. Volume six, six years later, had over 100,000 pre-orders. Wow, We're talking about a what, 100% fold increase in just pre-orders alone. And pre-orders are a good barometer to tell how successful a book is, but that's not all of it, right? And so it's, Way bigger than that, and then he's got the movie and his big game and he had no idea any of that was going to happen. What he was trying to make was something that his friends would find funny and was about them. Mm-hmm. And so, just the sheer power of coincidence and stumbling into the thing that's exciting. So, you know, if you're listening to this as a creative, know that nobody really knows how it's going to happen. Yeah, it just, can strike just make you what those. you love. I yeah. mean, it's the it's that's been the biggest thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> we pivot away from talking about Scott Pilgrim, I want to hear about what
1: you've learned over this season. Wow. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Season learning. Yeah. I think, obviously, that whole spiel that you just gave, you know, about making what you love. Yeah. And letting that be the driving force of your art. Yeah. Of your craft. Yeah. And hoping, fingers crossed. Of course, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee in life, let alone in art, which is such a it's a wild, wild west, right? Especially the industry, the art industry. It's, you know, you and I have just dipped our toes into it just a little bit. Yeah. We already know what a shit show it can be and how it's all about who you know and where you are and what time you meet someone and whatever, but... I mean, that's the financial stuff, right? But the creative stuff, the one person you're contending with is yourself. Right, right, right. But what I mean is that, like, as long as you are creating something that means something to you and the people around you, the hope is that you'd find others who feel the same way you resonate with it but you know it all stems from that place of making what you love and of course there are things that potentially run counter to that we also read comics Mm. that were conceived and created from a very commercial perspective sure. right? like Marvel deciding that we're going to reboot, re- Spider-Man. to reboot Spider-Man that was to a very large extent it was not someone sitting in their bedroom saying I'm going to create what I love that was right. people in suits in a boardroom going how do we make more money right people aren't buying the Spider-Man comics anymore so that exists yeah right but I think what we can choose to take away from what we've learned this season is there exists this other path that others have charted before. And and I guess it also goes into the idea of just consistently making things, Uh right? Not trying to look for that one big idea that you think is going to be the one and then like putting all your eggs into that one basket. Because I mean, as I've alluded to in this episode, we're all very complex beings with different interests and different passions. I love many things. And those many things... (laughs) Shut up, Yen. (laughs) You know, and those many things can lead to many acts of creation, right? Right. And I think the takeaway is Pursue all of those things equally with as much love and passion and joy and because you never know what's going to stick, right? It's like throwing spaghetti at the wall. You never know what is going to take off. I really don't
0: think the phrase is throwing spaghetti at a wall. It is! I think that's just describing throwing spaghetti at a wall. You throw spaghetti at you a wall
1: sp- and hope that some of it sticks. That's a saying. No, that's I a think phrase. You th- you Roshan, just, Google you, you it. You see
0: what sticks. You don't throw spaghetti. I mean, what do you have if you if the spaghetti sticks Roshan? to the wall? You have a meatball on the wall. What are you going to do with that?
1: You have spaghetti on a wall. but. Roshan, a large number of attempts with the hope that Thank
0: you. Well, I'm going to point out that I think that's a stupid ass saying, <laughs> you know, it's like saying, have your cake and eat it too. What do you want me to do? Just look at it? Or do you want me to eat my cake without having it? Anyway, I want to going back to this point about making something you love, right? This explicit thing that Rachel Smythe and Mike Mignola both articulated, which was that they were the ones who are going to have to spend the most time with the characters they're drawing. So right they damn well better like drawing them yeah <laughs> you got to make something that you like cuz you're the one who's going to have to spend the most time with it so just you know make what you love but if you love racism think about you know loving something else
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah if, you, if if you love something that isn't so good don't maybe maybe don't take this advice
0: the my main thesis the one thing that i've been trying to communicate to you this entire season is that the medium of the comic book has its own tools and those tools are unlike any other right and it's in successfully exploiting and exploring those tools that creators get the most bang with their stories you're not just trying to make a storyboard. You're not trying to make a storyboard of something that will eventually be animated. You're trying to make a comic book. And that means using things like your paneling, your lettering, your coloring. The page turns. The page turns. Oh, man, paid attention. Oh, man, that's the fourth thing that remembers. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if that's the fourth thing. That's 25%. That's pretty huge. But yeah, just using the tools that are part of the comic book medium to tell your story. And it's not as simple as, oh, it's a good story is a good story. I, you know, sure. But there's also technical things to it that matter. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and just riffing off that, I think what going through these eight episodes and these eight comics has made me realize is, yes, I think to a certain extent, I was aware of those tools on a very basic level. Obviously, I know that comics are panels. Obviously, I know that the the font and the lettering and the art can all do something, right? Right. But getting into the different styles of comics, the different genres of comics, and the different content, right? um, From superheroes to fantasy to whatever, it made me better appreciate the range of ways that those tools could be used, Mm -hmm. right? Like, that paneling could go from diagonal panels as we just read to some crazy panels that bleed over each other like that one Spider-Man page that had like 50 panels on mm-hmm. it you know just like or vertical panels vertical panels yeah and, and, or more rigid structures it just made me more deeply appreciate yeah the range within the comic book form and as you know I appreciated some styles and some executions more than others but that's what being a consumer of art is like right we all have preferences absolutely absolutely unless you're like Yen who just loves all comics
0: no, I don't love all comics. I don't. And next season we're gonna talk about all the ones I hate. No. <laughs> next season is is driven by spite. Okay, Nat, it's time for me to ask you my two big old questions. Do you see the value of Scott Pilgrim? He's holding it upside down, folks. <laughs> so whatever he says. I don't it doesn't matter. I
1: enjoyed it. It was fun. I value No,
0: I do think we got to change that question, though. Yeah, yeah. Because when you were coming in, you had (laughs) no idea what comics were, and you thought they didn't matter.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, you're right. On this final episode, let's change the question. What should we change it to, Yen? Did you enjoy reading it? Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I think fun is the operative word for this comic, right? It's just a great time. It's not necessarily my cup of tea, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there he is, folks. He's about
1: to answer my second question, but I'm going to cut him off real fast. Will you keep reading? Maybe not. Sure. maybe not actually a lot of this form I don't know why it reminds me of like the webtoons format does that make sense? like there was something about Lord Olympus also in the way that it had all these like asides and broke the fourth wall and was right. kind of very tongue-in-cheek and light-hearted in that way so it, I think my sentiments about it are very similar to what I felt about Lord Olympus which was like this is a fun read but not necessarily my cup of tea maybe I'm just not into that style of of storytelling
0: you heard it here first, folks. Nat's a serious man with serious interests. It's true. I don't do next, this next, children's next, stuff. Next season, we're going to read Mouse by Art Spiegelman, Mouse 2 by Art Spiegelman, Blankets by Craig Thompson, Asterius Pulit by David Mazzuchelli, and
1: The Art of Charlie Hock Chai by Sonny Liu. Oh.
0: But you know, hey, that's, that's just who I am, right? Yeah, that's yeah, okay. sure. No, no, you know what, Nat? I want to run through everything we read real quick. I just want to bring us some finality of where we went, okay? We're going to do a lightning round and we're going to go through all eight things we read and you're just going to free associate, say maybe maximum three words per comic based on what you remember and how you felt. Sure. Okay? And so first up, we've got Saga from Image Comics by Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples. Robots. Baby. Breasts. Oh, God. Oh, okay, okay. Well, let's hear it for Ultimate Spider-Man, published by Marvel Comics by Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley.
1: Seen this before
0: Okay (laughs) Sandman Written by Neil Gaiman Two issues we read Both published by Vertigo An imprint of DC Comics Immortal Goth Lonely Okay (laughs) Tintin in Tibet Or Tonton in Tobok (laughs) (laughs) Tonton in
1: Tobok Poor Poor Yeti Watchmen, we'd
0: read two issues, The Funeral of the Comedian and Dr. Manhattan's Origin, both written by Alan Moore and drawn by Dave Gibbons. Blue Man Space. Man, the fact that you didn't say group or penis, that's really disappointing. Group? Oh, Blue Man Group? Yeah. <laughs> okay, next up, we've got Lore Olympus by Rachel Smythe, hosted on Webtoon.
1: Modern Mythology? Horny oh, It has to be said no, It has to be said
0: no. Oh I'm so sorry Don't folks. deny that, sorry. It's not, that it's that it's not sorry, right you, I'm there. sorry you worked your way all the way to this And then you gotta hear Nat say horny Some
1: people want the horny And that's okay There's Some no people shame. like
0: you nasty man Hey
1: maybe, maybe so No don't say that Okay deny
0: it I preferred <laughs> it when you denied it Okay next <laughs> up It's Hellboy We read The Corpse A Box Full of Evil And Pancakes All Drawn and written by Mike
1: Mignola. Okay, I, I gotta get a go, because I, I think, you know, I'm gonna say I think Hellboiler was my favorite. Oh I actually do. So I'm gonna put a lot of thought into these three words. I'm gonna say Um Gravity in Pancakes
0: okay 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 <laughs> you know you know to the listener just in case nat tries to edit out the silence it took him about three four minutes to get there i'm <laughs> no. just staring into space okay i was trying and to think of we are at the can final I, can, I, can i elaborate okay. on that one can yeah i, let's hear I mean it. i just
1: wanted to capture that what we talked about right the juxtaposition between the likeness of like the jokes of the pancakes right. and whatever but right. then it's still very heavy material it still has substance and gravity to it that was what i was trying to get in three words okay Sorry, I'm not creative with words like you. I don't forgive you.
0: And we're on the last one, folks. *Scott Pilgrim*, t- several chapters, written and cartooned by Brian Lee O'Malley, published by Oni Press. Don't remember
1: movie. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> my three, my. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the air in this
0: room dropped by like 5 degrees when he said that. I just want to
1: say that Yen, throughout the course of the recording of this episode, has slouched so far down on my couch that I think he's almost horizontal. I'm approaching (laughs) 180 degrees, folks. (laughs) My three words for Scott Pilgrim. Witty. Action. Adolescence. There it is, folks. Those were our eight
0: books that we read we hope you enjoyed reading them too, if you read along. We hope you enjoyed listening to us, <laughs> as unlikely as that may have been. As unlikely. But you know, hey,
1: we got to practice what we preach. We're not making this for anyone except us. That's true. I'm not even making it for Nat. Because <laughs> we enjoy making this, right, Yen? Yeah, I, I yeah. enjoy making this. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, if no one listens, that's fine. We're not going to cry. Yeah. But
0: I do want to pick up a lesson from Rachel Smythe, you know, thinking about who I have to spend all the time with. Right? like She has to spend all her right. time with Hades and Persephone and I'm going to spend all my freaking time with this guy and
1: I can tell you, I don't like it for one bit. So we'll so see you in season two
0: when we've recast Yen that for me.
1: <laughs> Yen is leaving the show and we are replacing him. It's because I cheated on my wife.
0: <laughs>
1: I know something about the Try Guys. Yen decided to give cheating a try.
0: But I still won't try the Try Guys. No, that's their job. Because that's their job. And that's a wrap on eight episodes of Comic Sans, folks. That's season one for you. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it. We've had a lot of fun making it. Sometimes a little bit more fun than not. What's that mean? (laughs) I'll leave the connotation to you, folks.
1: You know, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, we would love it if you'd let us know. I mean, I hope... hope Give the actual email. Give the actual email (laughs) this time. Info at andasproductions.com. But that aside, you know, I hope by this point we've started some sort of social media. If we haven't, you know, then that's on us. But if it does exist somewhere out there... Drop us a nice note. Let us know you enjoyed the podcast, that you learned something about comics or about anything, really. If you learned something about dogs, if you learned something about football, Uh if you learned something about how uh, audio is recorded onto a computer. Yen, did you learn anything about that? I learned some stuff about the Try Guys. (laughs) (laughs) If you learned anything about... About anything, really, you know? even if we didn't teach it to you even if like after yeah, the you podcast you saw some something point. on yeah, YouTube and yeah, you learned it yeah. just let us know Yeah, because I think you know by some association we were responsible for that
0: 100% 100% <laughs>
1: if you got other comics you want us to take a look at next
0: season send an email Please to don't. info at un- com. I'm never reading a comic ever again thanks for listening folks to Comic Sans and we'll see you on the next page well maybe the next issue we'll see you on the next issue thanks Ned. you've learned so much
1: You're welcome. See ya! Thanks for listening to Comic Sans. This is an Andas Productions show hosted by Mao Yente and Nathaniel Ma and produced by Roshan Singh Sambi. Our cover art is by Isabel Fang and marketing by Siobhan Leck. Follow us on social media at the links in the description and stay tuned for weekly releases of our 8-episode first season.